The Daniel Pakala Show, Episode 9. Welcome, everyone, to the Daniel Pakala Show, the podcast that combines politics and personal development to create better libertarians. This episode is a little bittersweet. It's the final debate and my ability to give my final analysis to a debate for another four years. I look forward to political season, to the election season, as much as I look forward to the World Cup or the Olympics. To me, it's very entertaining, and even more so this time around with the entertainment spectacle that is Donald Trump juxtaposed to the ultimate political machine, someone who has groomed themselves for the last 30 years for the office of the presidency. I thought the contrast provided such an entertaining and interesting election cycle all beliefs, all ideas aside, I just from a purely entertainment value, I thought this election season had a lot to bring. And I'm honored that you, my listeners, have come to my show to listen to my thoughts and the thoughts of my guests who have provided their own opinions on these debates. And when this happens in four years, I hope to be a couple hundred episodes deep and bringing you another round of awesome election season coverage. With the closing of the debate, I hope to bring back my normally scheduled ideas, as I mentioned before, uh, combining politics and personal development to create better libertarians. That's something I want to really ramp up now that election season is coming to an end, and something I'll be able to have an opportunity to do because I'm not so distracted by the the debates and analyzing them and taking notes and creating episodes talking about them. Now on this episode, this episode is really uh, special because I bring on a very close friend of mine. All of my guests so far have been rather well-known figures in the libertarian movement, in the libertarian social circles. Uh, Tyler, Tyler Sharp, JT Sharp as he's known on his website, Sporadic Fiction, he is a friend of mine since middle school. And interestingly enough, since that time, we have debated politics and debated religion with one another. If Tyler has done anything for me, it's that he has helped me develop my intellectual capacity uh, since we were uh, 9 and 10 years old. So it was really cool. The final debate of the 2016 election, I get to bring him on to talk about it. I thought it was a good time. We had a great time uh, chatting and discussing this with almost the same composure that we would have if we were drinking a whiskey or cracking a beer open with one another and discussing these ideas, which we do very often. So I hope you're able to hear kind of a natural flow between us that that we've had for, for quite a long time. Now, before I turn things over to the final debate analysis Real quickly, if you are thinking about doing something like this, starting a podcast, starting a blog, 
and blogging about things that you're super interested in, you're super excited in, uh, things that you want to share with the world, or maybe you want to start a business and you need a website to get that launch, go and try Bluehost for these domain services. I use them for DanielBacala.com. I paid something around five to six dollars, seven dollars a month. I got a good discount right now. They're offering three dollars and ninety-five cents. This is absolutely way below what their normal prices are, which is seven ninety-nine for a limited time offer. Well, I've talked about this before. They're bringing back their limited time offer because it was so successful. They're offering three ninety-five again. And why wouldn't you want to start your own website? Why wouldn't you want to be the master of your own information? To own your own content, to, to, to develop proprietary ideas, and, 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 or maybe you want to start a business. You need a website for that too. Why not start it today with such an incredible offer, $3.95 a month. That is danielpacala.com slash blue, B-L-U-E, to get started. And I hope you do. And as a bonus, if you start your website through my link, drop me a note and tell me because I will give you free publicity and give a shout out to you and your website on a subsequent episode. And that's it. I'm only going to plug one affiliate for the show because I want to go ahead and turn things over to my good friend, Tyler Sharp, as we analyze the final debate. Tyler, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Daniel, thanks for having me on. So, though last minute could not appear on the show, and I thought, why the heck haven't I had my good friend Tyler on to talk about <laughs> politics? Because, as you well know, we do this on our free time together. We'll pour each other a nice scotch, a nice whiskey, or crack open a beer, and we could talk about politics and ideas for hours on end. So I'm actually really happy it turned out this way that you're going to be capping off the presidential cycle by breaking down last night's debate with me. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, this uh, and I will be much more sober during this talk than I probably was for most of the debate. <laughs> very good, very good. Now, here's, here's how we'll start. I'll basically just kind of give my overview and feel free to give your overview and expand on some of my points, and, and we'll start there. So, cool. ultimately, I thought it was a very, it was, just, it was just a lackluster performance from Trump. Um, I think going into this debate, Hillary, Hillary only needed to make break even, essentially. But Trump really, I feel, needed to come in with a KO. He's lagging in the polls after the release of that controversial video there have been uh, allegations of sexual misconduct that have uh, coincidentally appeared three weeks four weeks before the election and he's starting to come down in the polls a little bit and I think he really needed to deliver a knockout punch to you know save his his campaign and Clinton doesn't doesn't need that right she just needs to perform at par uh, because she is the leader in the national polls. And I don't think Donald Trump came even close to delivering that. I thought this was his worst performance of the three. Uh, and I thought Hillary looked really polished. She, you could tell uh, she's very coached. Um, you could tell she spent a lot of time prepping for this. 
I saw several patterns that we can get into in some of the things she brought up, some of her rhetorical maneuvers. She she came into this ready to go. And I think Donald was in his very Donald-esque uh, manner was uh, he's he I think he he overestimates he he overestimates his capabilities, and I think uh, he thought he could get away with playing an off the cuff kind of game, and I think it backfired because he looked sloppy. Um, so that's overall my my impression. What's yours? Um, yeah, in a very similar vein. Um, you know, I think I think Trump may have been overcoached to his detriment. I think the first half of the debate, he was like, "Cool, I'm going to come out there and look polished and not yell a bunch," but um, that's it's not the Trump we want to see, is it? Um, and uh, I think we want blood. Yeah, exactly. Like we, we want to, you know, you're anti-establishment. Be hard hitting. Um, but uh, but yeah. So unfortunately, I think that advice, if if that was the advice he was given, was the was sort of the downfall for the first bit. And you saw the fire start to come back towards the end. But by then, it was um, it was almost too late for him. But I, I think Hillary uh, definitely as seasoned as she is, and in, in these debates, as Mike Pence says, Trump's not a polished politician um she was able to see all those you know she was taken for for a wild ride on the second debate um but because of her experience was able to really analyze it and know exactly what to say um and she yeah she did look she did look really polished um she was the first uh she sort of brought up or she played right into the wikileaks um thing so she was prepped for it um she uh anything that i wanted to really stick on her uh didn't unfortunately um and then she she had some talking points that were really well-worded uh, insults towards Trump when she refers to like his, his businesses that were failing um, towards the end. Like she was bringing it as good as he brought it in the second one. And yeah, it's like, um, for, for me, it's like watching uh, a Nate Diaz or Conor McGregor match. Like I don't care who wins. I want it to be a good fight, but this just was not a good fight. No, no, it wasn't. I think, I think Hillary uh, manhandled him the entire time. She was prepared or any objection. I mean, I think when WikiLeaks first came up, she even prefaced her remarks by saying, "Well, I'm glad you brought that up." Right? Uh, she she had a few of those moments where uh, she was ready to go on on really uh, weak weak areas for her. Um, but let's let's dig into some of these topics. I, I counted ten segments. Uh, granted, some of these are, are broken down into into smaller, but we don't have to go through all of them. Some of the things that stuck out to me, uh, first one was the Supreme Court. Uh, yep. I, Hillary said that she uh, wants uh, justices that uh, stand up on women's rights, on LGBT rights, who says no to Citizens United, who won't reverse Roe v. Wade, who stand for marriage equality, and a Supreme Court who represents all of us. Uh, stands up to the powerful. Um, <laughs> what what that says to me is she just wants uh, she wants an extension of her own ideas. She wants an extension of her campaign in the Supreme Court. And of course, that's not what the 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 purpose of the Supreme Court is. The the Supreme Court is a, is a is designed um, to be a check on the executive and the legislature, um, and. I think Trump made pretty good. It, you could tell Trump was a little overcoached. I'm glad you used yeah. that word because even though he was sloppy, I do think someone got into his head and gave him advice that he focused a little too much on. He starts talking about the Supreme Court by like focusing on, I mean, how long 
did he talk about the Second Amendment? We get it. You know, you're you're endorsed by the NRA. You know, you're you're pro Second Amendment, but he spent probably three quarters of his reply talking about the Second Amendment. Then he talked about abortion, and you know, we get it. That's what Republicans want. But you don't need to spend an entire you know, something as as uh, serious as a Supreme Court nominee, I think people want some substance. People want to hear a little more. And he just kind of gave, you know, we need to protect Second Amendment. Second Amendment's great. We need to... Um, and then he made an abortion comment. Uh, but uh, he did at the very end stumble uh, to his final point, which was, I want justices to interpret the Constitution the way the founders wanted to interpret it. And I wish he would have just started out with that. Absolutely. Uh, Donald Trump, for all of his flaws, uh, that is the correct answer. That is the correct answer, that um, the Supreme Court justices should interpret the Constitution the way uh, the founders intentioned for it to be interpreted. It is not a, a living document that changes with the times. Uh, these rights, uh, these checks on government uh, outlined in the Constitution and the rights granted to citizens... Those don't change with the trends. They don't change on how we feel, and they certainly don't change with whoever decides to run for office. Um, did you have anything that you wanted to, to add in this Supreme Court segment? Absolutely. Um, I, I want to actually take it back to Chris Wallace and, and uh, how well he moderated this debate because you know, the, uh, the second debate started off, the first audience question was something like, um, you know, do you remember what you said to her last debate and, and vice versa? And just kept playing to the controversy. And Chris Wallace came out, open with that Supreme Court question um, and just sort of brought it back to basics and was like, okay, so we got to remind everyone that you're a Republican and you're the Republican nominee. And we got to remind everyone that you're the Democrat and you're a Democratic nominee. So I'm going to need you both to say something Republican and, and something Democratic. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, that's how it felt. Like, he was, you know, reminding people these are the nominees for the parties. It's still a party involved. Um, but, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think Clinton stuck to her guns, and it's, I mean, that's uh, a talking point that, you know, she's rehearsed a thousand times, and I think Trump, to his uh, demise, hasn't had to have his back against the wall and answer the abortion question um, as in, in the public eye as intently as that night, and uh, I think the Christian value side of conservatism, um, you know, is, is still kind of, like, seeing how uh, Trump feels about that, because uh, he says it, but he's never, I don't think he's been seen as like a practicing Christian man um, for, by the majority of the public. And, uh, and you know, he, he, but he did the right thing in, in pandering, but he wasn't as well versed, um, I'd honestly say, as he was in foreign policy, which he surprised me by, you know, I think that's maybe where the overcoaching was uh, to some degree, and that he wasn't necessarily ready for a, a rights question. Yeah, well, we can, uh, we can go to foreign policy right after this. Uh, I don't care what, what order we kind of tackle these in, but I... I I think the the abortion question was something he could have really done a lot of damage to Hillary on, because I I think he I think he could have pressed her and said, you know, do you believe that you can abort a baby, that you could kill a baby, that you could crush? I mean, because he he used the word crushing a baby, um, right? And then Hillary said, well, that's that's uh, terrible language or bombastic language or whatever the hell she said. But no, it's actually true. I, I, I bothered to look it up. And they, they first kill the baby, they crush its skull, and then they remove it. Um, so he was right in that link, in, in, in the way he worded that, as gruesome as it is. 
and he could have pressed her on it. Do you actually think you can kill a baby at nine months? And uh, you know, switched, gone right off the bat, and 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 put and been on the offensive and put put her on the defensive, because I mean, pro life, pro choice. I think the the separation isn't so clear when we start talking in terms of eight nine months, because at that point, I think we all have a visceral reaction and, and know that that is a human being i think the nuance comes in when you know we we talk about earlier stages in the pregnancy but he could have he could have pushed her on that he did okay with the second amendment i i found it hilarious how hillary says i respect the second amendment but there should be limitations <laughs> <laughs> what what part of shall not be infringed uh, if <laughs> that's that's pretty clear-cut language um, Trump did bring up Chicago, and I was very upset at the last debate that he did not bring up Chicago. So I'm right. glad he did. But I feel like with the Second Amendment, with abortion, with just about every subsequent topic, the problem with Trump is that he would make one, maybe one good line, but he would just never follow up with it. He would never dig yeah. deep into it. He would never take his good point and explode it. It was just a broad brushstroke. Here, I painted this color. I did. I said what I was supposed to say, and and that was it. Um, he, whereas Hillary, she was just able to take this one little thing and just explode it. I mean, even demanding that Trump, uh, uh, what was the thing she said about Russia that he needed to? Uh, do, do you remember? Do you recall the the point that uh, Hillary made when when she brought in Putin and she demanded that he. Um, what was it? It, it, it? She was complaining about like his respect for for Putin, um, and uh, if if you're talking like when she first brought it up, she, I believe she was trying to turn it around to make it seem like you know they were friends, and that's when he he got on the defensive and started being all, "Look, Putin's not my best friend. I don't know the guy." <laughs> In very plain stated language. Right. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it, it was it was interesting, like kind of seeing Trump, um, uh. I, not necessarily flail. It was almost like it's almost like he was um, a J.J. Abrams reboot, and he was just kind of doing fan service uh, for the first half of the debate and making sure he said the things you know we want to hear him say, but he didn't bring anything new. Um, you know, and he, he's like, okay, uh, people on the right, you know, check abortion, check guns. Um, yeah, so I, I maybe the maybe the start was that he just wasn't expecting such a boring question in all honesty um but it was one that was you know essential to the debate if you want to jump into russia <laughs> uh, that was let's do that it yeah when things started getting heated take take it there take it there i think trump was too defensive when uh she started bringing up putin you know he's not my best friend uh i don't know the guy um and he he kept he did that with a lot of answers actually where he was ap apolog apologetically defending rather than going at uh clinton with some faults of her own um he eventually got there, but it was never soon enough. And you could, you know, so Clinton was always the one, the one first punching, and he was stepping back before counterpunching. Um, so yeah, so she brings up, um, uh, you know, they, she jumps off the WikiLeaks subject by saying that Russia is trying to influence uh, the American election. Um, Trump, a few answers later, uh, well, actually, this is a good point where he eventually was like, "That was a great pivot off the fact that she wants open borders." Okay, how do we get to Putin? Right. Um, and uh, that actually like helped control the control the debate. I think that was like one of the first big outbursts uh, from the audience. Um, but yeah, so he he uh, so Clinton 
brings up Russia to get off WikiLeaks, um, and then it takes Trump a while uh, to eventually say like, "Oh, well, if you want to, if you want to talk Russia, that means war." Um, and it was just as performance-wise, it was too little, too late um, on each of the answers. Um, that's that's sort of what killed me with uh, with his performance. Um, but yeah, did did you think that Trump sort of studied up on his Syrian homework a bit? Because um, I was I was honestly half expecting to ha- him to have like a Gary Johnson moment when it got into some of the more fine-tuned parts of the debate, and he didn't like you know nail himself. He he went with uh, some good conservative, uh, your dad on the couch type wisdom, you know, um, and I think that <laughs> that's that a will good speak way to put it. Yeah, you yeah, know, he's I- like. Why? Why would you publish on CNN that you're going to bomb a place? That's that's dumb. And you know, Americans can relate to that. Hey, I've heard my dad say similar things. You know what I mean? Like, that's how Americans think. And I think that was very appealing. Yeah, that was that was one of the few times in the debate where Trump was Trump. He he had that 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 common man's appeal. I, I thought that that was not so prevalent in this debate. Yeah, I mean something as simple as that. It's not a very substant. Uh, uh, it, it's not a substantive answer, but yeah, you're right. Everyone can relate to that. Yeah, it's dumb. Why would we talk about our our military strategies for the world here? And actually, it, I'm in, I'm glad you brought that up. Did you hear? I, I've seen some articles uh, on social media and Twitter that a lot of military, high military personnel are coming out and criticizing Hillary. Uh, intensely for her mentioning the uh, the time it takes for for the U.S. to launch a, a nuclear weapon. Uh, do you remember oh, wow. that segment of the debate when she said it takes four minutes from the time the order is given to the time that missiles are in the air? Uh, apparently, that that caused up a storm. A lot of high-level military people. I'll, I'll put some some links on my show notes page. And for my listeners, that will be com slash, what episode are we on? Nine. Nine. Wow. Oh, wow. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, So com slash nine. I'll I'll put a couple links there. But yeah, apparently, I don't know if you remember this this part of the debate, but apparently a lot of military personnel uh, think that uh, this is a huge thing that she just revealed to the world. I I don't know if... she she's never been good at keeping classified things secret. So oh, really? I, mean. <laughs> I speaking of classified things, I um I thought it was very interesting how when the first time WikiLeaks was brought up, it was during the immigration segment, I believe. I could be wrong on that. Um, I first the I think Chris Wallace was the one who brought it up, and I think he nailed her with this question. Uh, when he talked about her speech in Brazil, where she was paid two hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, which we found out on the WikiLeaks uh, Podesta email leaks, and of course she didn't talk about that was kind of a poorly worded question in the sense that she no longer had to talk about getting paid a quarter million dollars for a conference in Brazil in which donors had you know tremendous access to her. Um, so, but she went on off on WikiLeaks saying that you know it was a, a conspiracy by Putin and uh, the Kremlin. Uh, again, I think this was just another missed opportunity for Trump. Um, he, he, that's you. You mentioned this partially. That's when around the time when he said great pivot away from open borders. Right. Uh, but this is too easy 
uh, of an issue not to not to leave with with just I mean that was his best answer in that segment is you know great pivot away from open borders and just uh, he did say Putin has no respect from her respect for her and I think that's largely true in anything you read Putin doesn't have and then she said uh, well Putin doesn't have any respect for me because I'm not a puppet and he goes I'm not a puppet I mean you're the puppet you or yeah you're the puppet (laughs) right yeah thanks for the correction there but come on that was that was a prime I mean Chris Wallace handed it it to him on a silver platter and said destroy her and you know the best he could do is great pivot away from open borders. You're the puppet. Uh, I mean, again, it was just another representation of how lackluster Trump's performance was. And you know, he did mention I've been endorsed by. Um, well, Hillary said uh, Trump should not have his hands on the nuclear code, and then Trump said I've been endorsed by generals and admirals, and uh, she's proven to be a liar every step of the way. And then he said, "You're a liar. You're a liar. You're a liar." Uh, bad form i i think he yeah. that was he squandered a, what what i called in the first debate a kill shot opportunity uh you can nail her on transparency you can nail her on the fact that uh now john Kerry has conspired with ecuador to uh take away uh julian assange's internet access you know uh just kind of fan the flame on how corrupt how interconnected she is with the State Department, with the White House, with the media, because that's Hillary's Achilles tendon. Uh, you know, Trump is 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 this anti-government kind of guy, or that's at least what he's perceived to be. Whereas Hillary Clinton is the ultimate insider. And if there's one thing we've learned from this entire election, is that ultimate insiders have have lost. I mean, George, or excuse me, Jeb Bush was uh, the chosen one from the GOP, and Trump right. slayed him. Then it was, uh, what's that guy's name up in Wisconsin? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Scott Walker. Scott Walker. Yeah. He was slayed. Then it was Marco Rubio. He was slayed. And then reluctantly it was Ted Cruz, and then he was slain. Um, but he just, he did such a poor, he, he did such a great do- job during the GOP primaries, contrasting himself from these, you know, run-of-the-mill politicians that the country hates so much. And I just think he had so many opportunities to, because to me, and I'd like you to jump in on this. I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop yeah. rambling in a second. To me, that's what Trump's basic goal should be. Every single debate, before the topics, before you know the statistics, before the finer points, in bold, big letters, you know, at the top of whatever notes he's been he's being given, it should be contrast yourself with Hillary Clinton. You're an outsider, and she is the ultimate political machine. And right. that should just be his basic approach to every single topic. I, I, I'll stop rambling. I'd like you to, yeah. to jump in. Well, no, no. Yeah, he was he was entirely um, off message. Uh, you know, and it's like he remembered to be on message later. Um, and and yeah, and ultimately uh, she she got in the punches before he could. So he's always uh, so he was always on the defensive. Um, and. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. He need, he needed to to bring back, and he needed to be almost a little more, not as rehearsed, but practiced, and have a big bold marketing message before each answer or about each about each topic. Um, he almost he almost was like using his most recently studied knowledge. I think I think he mentions at one point uh, he was like reading something from three months ago, uh, which I thought was uh, was funny um, to like visually tell people that he was he was studying. Um, 
but <laughs> but he should have sort of st- like stuck to what uh, he knew, and what he knows is the you know essentially everyday American blue collar uh, worker, and then um, and basically the this whole election is sort of just like this this big summation of between people in rural areas and small towns and suburbs versus people who live in the city. Um, and, you know, when you live in the city, you control the uh, education for the most part. You control uh, the state institutions of government um, to a large degree, and you control uh, the media, of course. Um, and Trump uh, needed to remember that he was still appealing to what, he, you know, the phrase he coined, the silent majority, and really stick into those guys. And he did it when he gave, like, you know, the stuff that you would hear your dad say on the couch when he put that out there. He did it when... Um, when he's talking about jobs for the most part and he, you know, when he gave speeches in empty factories, um, that was, that's his strong suit. And he needed to really hammer in the fact that, um, you know, her experience is in, um, foreign policy and look how badly she did it. And my experience is in business and look how well I did it. And he would say that, but he would never said it consistently. It was always brought up, um, after, you know, a not so strong, uh, answer, right at the beginning he could have said it as plainly as as you put it you know and and that in and of itself would have been a a debate highlight uh that's yeah. a really good point and i don't know if you read an article i'll, I'll definitely post it for my listeners on the uh, show notes page uh but it's an article on cracked or wired or something and the title of it's how half of america lost its fucking mind and oh, I've, I've read i read that yeah oh my gosh probably one of the best pieces i've read on this entire election cycle from a comedy site <laughs> from a comedy site yeah exactly uh I, I urge my listeners after you listen to this podcast when you get home maybe before you go to bed this article is really really well put together probably the best if you just want uh what i think to be and you can you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was a very honest analysis of what the Trump phenomenon is uh, from from a guy on uh, who uh, considers himself on the left. So very interesting, um, and I'll put it on the show notes page. But uh, you know, speaking, kind of touching back on on what you said, uh, I'd be interested to know uh, what your 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 thoughts on on the outcome are are, are going to be because, um, and I know I'm kind of skipping ahead. We can. We can do this however we want. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, I think personally, and I, I don't think I've given a, a public op- opinion on, on what my prediction is or a public prediction uh, on my blog or any past episode or even Facebook or Twitter or anything like that. Uh, but my thought is, is that I mean, my, my, or my brain tells me that Hillary Clinton is going to win. Uh, I look at the polls. Uh, I look at the numbers, the percentages, how far behind how outside of the margin of error he is in some of the swing states, plus a lot of talk about red states that might have the possibility of turning blue, Texas and Georgia, which I find very hard to believe. (laughs) But my brain says Hillary wins this. Hillary wins this very decidedly. But my gut, my gut says that there's just no way with the trajectory of, of the world even you look at Brexit and you look at UKIP's rise and then you look at, at this man who rough around the edges rhetorically kind of a, a bad man uh, offends everyone but was able to just stomp on the entirety that is the GOP and make no mistake 
the GOP's lost the last two elections, but they're very, very powerful people with deep, deep pockets, and he just desecrated every single one of the people he that they put up there. And to me, it just doesn't make sense that this culmination abroad and domestically results in the election of a career politician <laughs> who has groomed herself her entire life to become president. That just doesn't make sense to me. You and I, we went to a Milo event over the weekend, which we got right. a lot of praise and shit for. But Milo put it really well during that talk. He said the entire culmination of this of this conservative alternate right movement and you know maybe not all my listeners agree with the alt-right and i'm not making a, a suggestion either way i just think that if you look at what happened over across the pond if you look at what's happened here i just don't see you know all this movement away from away from the norm away from the career politicians away from the establishment results in literally the ultimate establishment figure <laughs> uh maybe you can add some color to that yeah, um, you know, I I look at it and um, and first everyone has to admit left or right. If there's a poll that says Trump is winning, um, it's rigged. If there's a poll that says Clinton is winning, it's rigged. We know everyone knows how to rig polls. You call the people that are going to say the things you want, and you don't call the people that aren't. Um, it's it's pretty systematic at this point. Um, so for me, uh, for this election, um, I sort of look at the socioeconomic field um, and I think uh, when you compare it to you know cities versus rural areas and you know Trump versus Clinton it's one of the f like few elections I think that uh, at least in my short lifetime um, where like a, a true Clinton supporter um, you, you even hear this when like Bill Maher says that he's like I've never even met a Trump supporter do these people even exist and like a true Trump supporter who like could not think you know, for one second of even considering Hillary Clinton being president, they probably say the same thing where they're like, I don't think I've ever met a Clinton supporter and they're from your small towns. And I think that kind of shows how big the uh, divide is. But I do think that, you know, what's happening with, um, since the Clinton polls are showing that she's going to be winning, um, I don't think people are going to turn out. I think people are going to, they, we've, they've, uh, the left has so much ridiculed Trump that everyone thinks the idea that he could win is so absurd, and I think that will directly turn out to people not showing up. Um, and I think Trump people—they're from small towns who are, you know, be basically impoverished and looking for their old blue-collar jobs back. And um, they're the Rust Belt, and they're, you know, small counties in uh, in Georgia who haven't seen new business growth in in forever. Um, and those people have everything to lose, and they will show out you know, to the T. And I think that's the difference. And I think that's pretty much what happened with Brexit is that everyone thought leaving the EU was so ridiculous that no one ended up voting for it, um, voting to stay in. And everyone that really wanted to leave felt a certain way and turned out in mass. And I just, I just see that happening, uh, with this election. And I think that Clinton is by showing herself being a landslide, um, throughout the last, uh, month and going into, um, election day is actually doing herself a disservice if if they had played it and said like it is so close we need every voter this madman's going to become president then absolutely every single person who didn't want trump to be president would show up in mass but um you know with when you're showing that you know there's a in some polls as low as like seven or twelve percent in some states that 
that he's going to win, well, then you're telling your voters stay home. And I, I think that'll that has a very realistic impact on on who's going to show up. That's an interesting point. And um, I, I, one other element, and we we uh, we spent the weekend together for your birthday, and we talked a lot about this too. But I, I definitely want to bring it up again, and that is, I think a lot of Trump supporters are ashamed of being Trump supporters, or maybe not ashamed, but they're scared to say they're Trump supporters because oh, yeah. the left is absolutely intolerant of a worldview that is different from their own if you're a trump supporter then you know, you're a bigot you're a racist you're a misogynist you know add all the deplorable ists that you can think of and i i think trump supporters just don't want to i i know a few i know a few people who uh messaged me during the republican primaries and said i i voted for trump and well-respected libertarian people. Um, and I, I think a lot of people are just uh, ashamed to admit so or scared to admit so. Whereas a Hillary supporter, I mean, not that, actually, to your point, I, I don't know many, like, pure liber or, excuse me, pure <laughs> Hillary supporters. I just know who the anti-Trump people are. Right. They'll let you know, right? <laughs> they'll, 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 they'll really let you know who they are. You can hear them from a mile away talking about how what a misogynist and, and racist and deplorable Donald Trump is. So I think there's that element too. Perhaps some of these polls, uh, they don't really reflect the real soul of the American public because some people just, uh, like, do you remember getting those surveys in like high school uh, whether you like uh, drink alcohol, how often you've consumed alcohol, or how often <laughs> right. you've, you've done illegal <laughs> drugs, and like I would always mark, <laughs> I would always mark zero zeros on those because I'm like, if there's any way this gets traced back to me, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, do you think I'm too far off, assuming that you know maybe it's not so different in this context? No, no, that that is perfect. I love that example. Um, yeah, it's. It's funny because like Frank and I, um, we went to Europe recently and, and everyone was asking us about the election. And uh, it was we were in Amsterdam at this bar and, and people just keep hammering on about Hillary. Um, and we know that like uh, we couldn't say that we don't support Hillary, we don't like her because you know the message overseas is that uh, you know she's the only thing that can save the U.S. or something like that. And um, and so. We kept finding ourselves in anti-Hillary debates, but whenever it veered to like, so you're going to vote Trump, you know, we just Frank and I immediately just went, you know, right into the middle. We're like, no, 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 Gary Johnson, you never heard of him. Don't worry about it. Okay, <laughs> and you know, like we always avoided, you know, saying anything uh, pro-Trump because it, it was getting that heated because people literally thought that, you know, I mean, you know, he he had said that he doesn't want NATO and stuff, so I understand how it's within their interest to. Uh, to have a Clinton presidency, uh, who likes all these military alliances and such, but, um, but yeah, and and yeah, it, it, if if someone's a if someone's a Trump supporter, this this debate, they they almost have to be quiet. Like even at work, um, people openly say uh, anti-Trump things, and even professionally, that's that like no one is called, you know, HR doesn't call anyone out and and say don't say that. That's you know, just the norm. It's just the norm yeah. to be anti-Trump. Yeah, because it's on TV, it's on all, it's all the cartoons, and and that that shouldn't be okay. You know, we we should be returning to a time where there's professionalism, 
and politics and where you still separate and you res- you respectfully disagree and you say your view loudly and you get angry but you know you don't send people to violently break up rallies or you don't uh you know call out um you know nasty names to uh each other key cars and and whatnot um so i think it's it's just really it's just really interesting um yeah how how this election we've we've almost lost our ability to talk to each other um and hopefully that's starting to come hopefully you know the one thing about this election being over soon is that we can get to a point where we can do that again yeah yeah and um I want to touch on the violence against Trump supporters because uh, another missed opportunity. But I, I, I thought it was so interesting that in the Podesta leaks, uh, or yeah, was it the Podesta leaks or was it separate? A video leak uh, showing Keith tapes. Ah, yes. Do you want do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, they. Uh, long story short, um, Democratic uh, operatives have been sent to campaigns to incite violence. Um, and uh, O'Keefe, uh, James O'Keefe is a conservative activist, um, and he recorded a lot of this undercover um, and, you know, revealed, hey, this is this is a thing that they're doing. Uh, all those things that you imagine someone doing in their nightmares or on movies, yeah, they actually go and do this. Um, things like paying mentally ill people to uh, start violence at rallies. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, and, you know, this, this big tape, you know, could... <laughs> It comes out within what was it, 24 hours or 48 hours of the debate, and Trump Trump didn't pick it up. Like he mentioned it a few times, like towards the end, but he didn't introduce so it to the audience. You know, so he, sh- he should have really backed up and, and gave him the whole picture. He, I mean, he should have. Imagine if Trump did that, right? Imagine if it came out that Trump supporters were paid, or excuse me, not Trump supporters, if Trump's campaign paid mentally ill homeless and homeless people to incite violence at a Hillary, Absolutely. Uh, you know, campaign event. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we would, the world would be, you know, uh, ballistic. I mean, I can't even, I, 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 I couldn't even enunciate the shit storm that would ensue from that. And it was just like, ah, uh, just a casual, like, I think he spent 30 seconds on it. Oh, you know, you've, you've hired these people and, and what are they doing? Maybe it was Hillary. Maybe it was Obama. Like, no. <laughs> it, it, he almost, like, forgot everything he's learned on this entire campaign cycle <laughs> last night. It, it was it was weird. Like, um, yeah, like, he, he should have really dug in. And, and if you're absolutely right. If, if, the, if a Trump supporter had been found to be paid by the Trump campaign or the RNC and, and systematically do this, you know, it would fit the narrative of, oh, these racists, you know, hit people who uh, don't want to vote for the racists. Uh, that makes sense. Let's blow that up. But it doesn't make sense to the left's logic. Like, oh, why would – I don't understand why why a non-racist, non-misogynist, uh, you know, transgendered person would go incite a um, – you know, go incite a, tr- uh, a Trump rally – to violence it, that that you know I can't coincide with that and so they just scoop it but, under the rug and that's right yeah that's that's so that's so con- concerning just because it doesn't fit the narrative and and the weirdest weirdest part is like um, I've heard this is all an- anecdotal but like I've heard this um, from people like on the streets were like um, I I brought up uh, at work once that my friend found a MAGA hat um, you know our friend and um, it was and was uh, it was wearing it. Um, 
and like because he was he was sending me snapchats or something by the, the way they're, they're let hilarious. me just interrupt you for a second a maga yeah. hat and i just i just learned what this meant over the weekend oh, right. a Ma- maga a maga hat is a make america great again hat so I, yeah acronym. a lot of i didn't know that i figure many other people don't so go ahead so no that was, that was good that was, I, I just say it so you know casually now <laughs> um anyway so he found a maga hat and like the uh the jokes that like people were saying at work were were just you know like huh, better not wear it out in public or oh what so you want to get shot or something and it was like you know i did a southern accent there but they weren't southern um these people at work but i did a southern accent there because it reminded me of the south park episode where the rednecks come out and they're like we don't take your intolerance too kindly and like <laughs> and like shoot like that was it was exactly it was like that episode and and i think that's that's the way the the left's come about now you know it's um they they think that uh violence should be expected towards towards trump supporters um and that's not that's not your super political left people that's not your systematic but that, that's that's your um that's your like i'm at home and i'm a casual liberal type person um that's saying that yeah. and you know i'd say the majority of, of the left and that's that's insane to me that's absolutely insane yeah yeah no i i agree uh and- Another ridiculous point I wanted to touch on before we run out of time uh, that I thought was absolutely just ridiculous was, uh, will you accept the outcome of this election? <laughs> like, uh, it, Chris Wallace did okay, but this this question makes no sense to me because um, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, what what if, if Trump doesn't accept the outcome of this election, Hillary's not going to get you know, elected. Um, I don't, I didn't get that at all. Um, I guess maybe he was asking for a concession. Uh, but you know, if I was Trump, he, I think he butchered this part too. Uh, you know, we'll see. I'll leave you. I mean, he's, I'll leave you in suspense. Like very, very Trump-esque of him. But what I would have said is, uh, yeah, I'll accept the outcome of this, of the, the election if it's not rigged. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Something like that. I mean, you know, give the concession that they want, but still find a way to 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 jab at 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 Hillary. Um, I I just thought because I saw Twitter and Facebook, they it was a shitstorm of of it was it was between that comment, um, you know how dare he insult our democracy like that? You know it's custom. <laughs> Little do they know, and I mean I, I've been alive long enough to know this that in two thousand. Al Gore demanded a recount exactly. in Florida. Uh, you know, very, very selective memory there, guys. Good job. <laughs> um, but it was between that comment and such, <laughs> such a nasty woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I that was that was Trump's best line of the night. That's that's what I wanted to see for two hours, but I he just wouldn't give me that level of entertainment value, and I'm so sad that he wouldn't because. Who knows when we'll have something this entertaining again? You know, it's the <laughs> right. Donald. Um, but what, you know, what's so funny is that uh, you know those are the comments that upset everyone. The fact that you know, she, quote she's such a nasty woman, and then his you know I'm not I haven't decided if I'm going to to you know accept the outcome uh, of the bad, election. Bad ombres. Do what? 
Uh, and also bad hombres. Oh, ba- uh, bad hombres. I, I didn't see... So- <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that made me chuckle. And I'm Hispanic, too. So, like, if if you think that we, we, we shouldn't be taking this lightly, I if anyone should be, you know, uh, triggered by this, it's me. But I thought that was hilarious. But, you know, it, it's so funny that these are the two things I saw the most shit about online. Yet... Yet Hillary has offered what Tho and I termed uh, the Bernie Sanders Christmas list of, of free gifts, minimum wage, increased regulations, you know, make the wealthy pay their fair share, uh, all these entitlement programs. But then she says, quote, I won't add a penny to the debt. And she said that like three times last night. I mean, because to me, that is as absurd comment to, I think, people who are intellectuals, uh, pe- people who are knowledgeable on these subjects, that comment is as absurd to us as, as you know, hombres or uh, uh, such a nasty woman is absurd to them. You know? Yeah. Her, her foreign policy record of starving, displacing, killing women and children, you know, she, she lauded herself as, as someone who is looking out for toddlers when they're talking about the Second Amendment. I am more disgusted by the wreckage and the destruction and the death that her foreign policy has created around the world as people are about, you know, grabbed her by the, you know what. Um, <laughs> to me, it's just it just shows, I think, the level of intellect. And I, I get a lot of shit for, for, from people saying, you know, I'm a, I'm a closet Trump uh, supporter and I'm going to secretly vote for Trump. No, I don't like Trump, and I think... I think he has a lot of bad ideas. Uh, I, I do sympathize, though, with people who are Trump supporters uh, because I think uh, Hillary supporters, uh, they focus on these unsubstantive items, uh, these these things that are completely irrelevant to the office of the presidency in the name of professionalism, in the uh, name of electability, um, yet completely uh, forget the awful foreign policy record of their own um of their own candidate and i think you know i think and i said this in the last uh, the last episode i think killing starving and displacing women is so much more so much more evil and disgusting than lewd and disrespectful comments about women and to me that's the election cycle it's these and uh, newt gingrich of all people uh, you know god help me i'm i'm agreeing with newt gingrich on something <laughs> But Newt Gingrich, of all people, he called this at the start of the general. He said, let me tell you something. The only way Hillary Clinton and her supporters win is if they play down in the dumps. They have to make this debate about, you know, irrelevant, nasty, uh, unsubstantive items that have no bearing on the office of the presidency. And because that's the only place they can win because of its high level, because if you have to bring WikiLeaks into it, if you have to bring Hillary's atrocious foreign policy into it, if you have to bring in all these other things that have since come out of of how she's conspired with the media, how she's conspired with the State Department and the White House, um, she can't win from that level. She has to play in the dumps. She has to talk about a six foot painting that he commissioned someone to make of himself. She has to talk about uh, how whimsical 
and, and puny the Trump Foundation is. You know, that's the level she has to debate at because she can't win at any other level. Yeah, and 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 when she speaks, like when she's not saying the the stuff you just mentioned, um, you know, I I pointed this out to my roommates as we were watching, and I was like, you know, you can only understand Clinton like seventy five percent of the time if you have a college degree. Not everyone who votes has a college degree. Like you know, the, the way she words things, uh, she calls out academic concepts um, constantly, and you know, her speech was was way 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 to um, brought down to a more. Uh, simplistic level uh, for this debate, I thought, and pretty plain spoken. Um, but you know, still, when she got on her rants, you, just, you you know, if if you couldn't follow along, you might be zoning out. Um, I think that's where you see the vehement, like people who think Trump really slaughtered during that debate, and um, people like you and I are looking out uh, from outside both boxes, uh, peering in, um, are like, actually, you know, I don't think he did uh, as good as he could have done. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I almost want to like do a series with you. Uh, that's that's called like what Trump should have said, <laughs> where we just go and we just answer things <laughs> for Trump, uh, and uh, you know to 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 try to just redo this this debate uh, exercise. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe if Trump runs in twenty twenty, um, and you know the, the last thing I, I wanted to say um, is is if Hillary wins, and this is how I, I, I want to conclude uh, this this episode with you, if if Hillary wins, I think Trump, in, Trump in a sense, has already won. Uh, and what I mean by that is, I don't think, I mean, at least in my lifetime, and I talked to an older friend of mine, and he agreed with me, uh, who isn't very partisan this election, he could care less. Um, the takeaway is, or the point I'm trying to make is that Hillary will have begun her presidency as someone who is perceived by half of the country as a criminal, as someone who had to undermine everything and everyone who had to rig an election, who had to conspire with the media, who had to conspire with the State Department, who had to conspire with her own party to disenfranchise the voters of her opponent, who had to conspire with the media to disenfranchise her general opponent, who was fed questions prior to the debate so that she could get an advantage, who had to cheat and lie to get into the White House. And how, how do you have a successful presidency if that's how you begin it? And for libertarians out there who maybe sympathize with Trump, who don't like Trump, but at least sympathize with him, um, as I do, and admittedly, I'm not, I'm not afraid to admit that, um, you know, I, I think there is a silver lining here. And that is, if the government does nothing for the next four years, great. Great. Uh, because the alternative is that Hillary advances her extreme progressive agenda, and, and that's a world that, that would be very scary to live in. Um, but, but mostly, I think Hillary will accelerate the destruction of the social fabric in this nation. And I think that's a good thing, especially in light of a world that just saw the UK break away from the EU. Secession is a real thing now. And I think as people become more divided, and I think they will, I think the the 
the way Hillary played this, I think she set a very dangerous precedent for for elections to come by attacking her opponent and calling his entire uh, his entire support base deplorable and irredeemable. She has somewhat launched uh, a war against against people who who believe in something that is opposite of what they believe in, and I think we'll we'll start realizing that. Ideas like secession, ideas that echo the sentiment that is, you know, I actually don't have to live alongside of you. I don't have to actually be a part of whatever the hell this is that that you want to do. I'm out. I hope that sentiment becomes greater than it is now uh, during a Hillary presidency. And I think the silver lining for libertarians out there is I think it will under Hillary presidency. I think you'll start seeing that idea come alive. And I hope so, because it's a very healthy idea. Secession has been, uh, not has been, but it was a very integral idea to the formation of this country. And I think if things get really bad with Hillary, it'll be the idea that comes back and saves it. Uh, Tyler, did you want to have any parting parting thoughts? Yeah, yeah, um, it's parting thoughts. Um, I think... Uh, whether he wins or loses, Donald Trump has forever changed the Republican Party for the better. Um, I think the one thing that is killing Republicans is their marriage to the institutionalized uh, Christian right. Um, and uh, basically, he came in, he had very few of those Christian right things. And usually when those young Republicans are coming up in their career, they have to do so much you know, compromise and pandering to that, that by, by the time they get to... Um, the presidency, they're almost unrelatable to, uh, you know, people who aren't aren't so strongly religious. Um, and I think Donald Trump has changed uh, the Republican Party in that he came in um, of his own accord, uh, was able to shoot down everyone by speaking in plain language, didn't do any of the usual pandering, um, and that's who that's exactly how Rand Paul should have been playing it, um, but he didn't. He played it. Uh, he played it too political. Um, people are a bit tired of the political games and he capitalized on that but I think that makes it to where the next Republican candidate um, will hopefully be a libertarian will hopefully be um, someone with different ideas um, than the RNC usually espouses uh, but still has a fighting chance because now I think the RNC has to look at themselves and go hey that's crazy how successful that was maybe we should let more voices in maybe we should uh, really re uh, relook um, who we put uh, to president, and maybe we should actually listen um, to who people want as the Republican nominee. So ultimately, um, I'm glad a Trump moment happened. Uh, you know, and and whether he wins or loses uh, on the eighth, um, this is a great shot for anyone else who wants to jump in into a party that is still taking different ideas for better or worse, um, composed to uh, the Democratic Party, who is just staunchly loyal no matter who <laughs> crooked as crooked and corrupt as they are um staunchly loyal to whoever their nominee is yeah i like it and on that note we'll end it tyler uh for my listeners if they want to follow you anywhere where do you direct them um i blog in my spare time if you guys are interested in sci-fi um please check out sporadicfiction.com um and additionally uh, trigger warning short fiction with pictures triggerwarningshortfiction.com um, I am a volunteer editor uh, at their magazine they're great guys um, 
very few political stuff. Politics uh, is the is the hobby I use to, uh, you know, it's my intellectual hobby. Um, fiction is sort of the the hobby that I post online about. So, thank you, Daniel, for having me on. Uh, this was exciting. All right, but I'm glad to finally have you on, and uh, we'll find an excuse to talk another time. Thanks, man. See you. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that final debate analysis episode. Next week, we move to personal development to talk about what might be the libertarian's worst enemy. And my conclusion might surprise you. It's not progressivism. It's not socialism. It's ego. I discuss why ego is the enemy of libertarians with my good friend David Maradiaga. Don't forget to jump on Bluehost's offer for $3.95 web hosting. It's usually $7.99. This deal will not last very long, so jump on it. I got DanielPacala.com from Bluehost and love it. Set up a blog through my special link at DanielPacala.com slash blue, and I will give your page a shout-out and put it on my show notes page on a future episode. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. See ya. Freedom lies in everyone's heart, but it must do more than just lie there. <laughs>